At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We're going to talk to Michael Falkender, who is a professor of finance at the University of Maryland. He was the assistant secretary of the Treasury for economic policy during the Trump years. Uh, Michael, thank you. I know you're in between classes, so it's very kind of you. Absolutely. It's great to be with you, Larry. How much time you got? You got 15 minutes, 16 minutes? <laughs> what do you got? Yes, I, I don't want to... my, my class is eagerly awaiting uh, getting back, but they're, I think they're more than happy to have a break. <laughs> okay, I want to screw that up. So just um, the health of the economy or the lack thereof, and there are two numbers that jumped out at me this past week. Uh, and you were on the show, and we talked about, it, I think, maybe one of them. First one is uh, existing home sales have fallen six consecutive months, and I would add... As you well know, uh, housing starts have been falling pretty badly, too. The other one uh, doesn't get as much attention, but is a very useful indicator is the index of leading indicators for the economy, which have fallen five consecutive months. Now, I read into that that there's really, uh, you know, a very pervasive weakness. I know the GDP tracker from the Atlanta Fed, Mike, is 1.6 for the third quarter. That's july's numbers essentially july might have been a little better than um than june but what's the what's the overall outlook and where's this thing trending you know larry i guess the one other number i would throw in there that to me is really part of the leading indicators is consumer sentiment and that number has fallen off a cliff right it's Mm -hmm. the lowest that it's been in in 50 years that they have been conducting this survey and generally if consumers are feeling apprehensive even if they've got money in their bank accounts, they're going to be less likely to go out there and be spending it. And so that's the disconnect I think we've seen with some of the numbers recently. You've got a robust jobs market, and yet you've got consumers that are saying they're more frightened than they've been in in the 50-year history of this survey. And so a lot of that is the uncertainty associated with, with inflation, the rising interest rate environment that's just clobbering housing, you know, as you said, down to the last six months, housing sales are down 17% relative to a year ago. And so, and, and that's all showing up in, in the leading indicators. So it, it seems like, you know, people are pulling back. The uh, rising prices of food in particular, but also shelter, are causing people to pull back and, you know, not spend that money that's sitting in those savings accounts, even though savings is at a pretty high level still. Um. The drop in confidence, is that a function of falling real wages? Certainly, right? I mean, if if you're seeing that your wages are uh, 3%, if your wage growth is 3% lower than than price growth, that's going to certainly cause you to to pull back. I mean, you know, I I know the Biden administration uh, likes to take credit sometimes for the wage growth that we're seeing and it being a much higher level than what we've seen in many years. But when households are losing 3% on an annualized basis in their purchasing power, they're going to tend to pull back, hold more in savings as, as concern over whether this is going to continue, right? Because it's not just that they've already absorbed a 
loss in consumer power. How much more are they going to lose as this inflation continues to, to con- increase and that their wages continue to not keep up? Um, Michael, how, how, how important are food prices? You know, um, most of the attention has been on gas prices. Gas prices are down about a buck, um, still almost twice what they were um, two years ago. But food prices are still roaring ahead. And some economists, you know, economists, we always debate what's the most important thing. What, but the fact is food prices are an important indicator of inflation. Uh, they're rising at a double-digit pace, no relief in sight, best I can tell. So what does that mean? Well, so it's two things. Number one, it's, you know, you can cut back on the amount of gasoline you consume. You can you know, go on shorter vacations. Uh, we've seen that people can telework more. It's hard to cut back on food, right? I mean, people still have families that they need to feed, and you can go to less expensive food items, but there's, there's real concern about there about people being able to put enough food on the table for their families. And then the second thing is I keep reminding people that the impacts of, of Ukraine and Russia are not fully realized yet in the global food chain, mm. right? So part of that is the grains, but part of it also is the fertilizer loss. And so we've got other areas of the global economy that are reliant upon fertilizer that are having trouble obtaining it and that has implications for future food supply and that's why i think you know commensurate with what you just said i think food inflation food inflation is going to continue because of these supply chain issues on things like fertilizer food prices up in the cpi mike uh, 10.9 percent for the past 12 months 13.9 percent at an annual rate for the past three months. So it looks like they're accelerating. And yeah. I want to add one other point here. Um, on the inflation front, services prices up 6.2% last 12 months, but up 8.1% annually at the last three months. Uh, that's got to be another warning. And, and finally, on the inflation front, uh, you probably glance from time to time at the Cleveland Fed, their median CPI and their you know, trend mean they chop off the top eight and they chop off the bottom eight. Now, that thing's gone up and up and up. It's up 7%. Uh, in other words, people are saying, Wall Street is saying we've seen peak inflation. I, I don't know. Have we seen peak inflation? Well, you know, that's part of the issue that I've had with the way that the Biden administration has expressed a lot of this is that they've tried to say it's localized or it's it's primarily in the energy space, except that if you look at the various components of inflation, it's widespread. Mm-hmm. You know, it's across all different categories of prices. And, you know, what's been, I think, one of the most interesting things is that the part that's been the lowest has actually been medical care inflation. That's where we've seen the lowest increases. But it's on it's on food, it's on shelter, it's on gasoline, um, that you and on services, like you just said, that you've really seen increases. And the part that one gets concerned about services is that services are going to be primarily labor, right? And so are, is this an indication of that wage price spiral that has always been the concern of whether or not the Fed can keep this under control? If you get into a wage price spiral, you know, you just get these um, more inflation begets more wage increases, which gets more inflation. And can the Fed, has the Fed lost control on that? Wall Street thinks the Fed's bluffing. 
It's an interesting paradigm. Stocks, not so much this week, not so much yesterday, but stocks have had a very good run uh, since the middle of June. Some people think it's a bear market rally. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. But, 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 um, the theory here is the Fed is going to slow down their rate hikes and next year is going to cut rates. Now, that's a triumph of hope over experience, in my view. But uh, is the Fed bluffing, or do you think the Fed can be relied on to stomp out the inflation? I think the Fed is bluffing. And as you just said, the market's interest rate, uh, the yield curve and the, in- the yield curve suggests that they are that they think the Fed is bluffing. As you just said, the market is pricing in a rate decline next year. If inflation is going to be persistent for the reasons that we just talked about, then a, 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 a hawkish Fed would not be thought of as coming in with a rate decline next year. And so the fact that the yield curve is as flat as it, as it is suggests to me that the market is not taking the Fed seriously. And I would like to see um, not just Chairman Powell, but some of the other governors go out there and make stronger statements about their willingness to ride out some of the effects that may accompany pretty strong interest rate policy. I mean, fundamentally, Larry, as we've talked about before, the issue is that they were a year late. Yeah. Right? We saw we saw prices start to take off yeah. in March of 2021. The idea that you're going to wait until March of 2022 to do something about it, it, it they allowed it to get out of control. And that then affects people's, not just their sentiment, but their expectations of future inflation. And once you get inflation expectations unhinged, then it's really hard to get them back unless you come out with very aggressive words and action. And the fact that we're already talking about potentially curtailing the rate increases from 75 down to 50 and saying, you know, we're going to wait and see and it, it does not give reassurance that there is a determination to get it, to get inflation under control. I mean, th- this to me does not follow the Volcker model. You know, speaking of the Volcker model, um, I don't know if you know Bob Heller, Robert Heller, who who was the Fed governor during the Volcker era, the Reagan appointee. Uh, he's been on this show a couple of times. He's saying kind of what you're saying that the Fed is going to slack off and that's going to lead to a double dip recession that we had one in the first half of this year with two straight GDP declines. Uh, things might look slightly better, but they're going to have to come back next year and be even tougher because they haven't taken the inflation down to 2%. I mean, a double dip recession would be, I mean, it'd be very bad for the economy, very bad for ordinary folks, but that's the risk here. I mean, you know, they'll pay the piper now or they're going to pay the piper later. That's right. And then, you know, couple that with the fact that we're not seeing supply inducements coming out of the administration on either fiscal or regulatory policy. We're seeing constant efforts to increase the amount of of bureaucratic requirements that just raise prices for consumers without raising productivity at all. If you have more and more time spent by companies satisfying additional regulatory guidance and taking supply out of production activities towards compliance activities, that's not going to allow you to kind of bring supply on to 
match this artificially high demand that we've been seeing from all the successive stimulus. This thought that we can just rely upon the Fed to curb demand and have no supply response. You know, one of our one of our colleagues, uh, Jim Carter, was saying, you know, it's kind of like having the Biden administration's foot on the gas while the Fed has got its foot on the brakes mm. and they're just you know, they're just fighting each other rather than acting in concert. And that was what I thought worked so effectively for us during the Trump administration is that we had fiscal, regulatory, and monetary policy all working simultaneously towards a sustainable level of demand with increasing supply that facilitated higher GDP growth, real wage increases, and low inflation. Darren, the Bidens... Their supply policies, they're anti-supply-siders. That's what I want to say. They're anti-supply-siders. Or, or they don't think about the supply side. And whether it's energy, but it's not just energy. Their overall regulatory policies have been strangling business. Um, the biggest game, well, what did I see, Mike? Uh, in Biden's first year, he had 40 times the regulatory increases that Trump had in his first year. 40 times. That's right. I mean, and think about whereas our rule was for every new rule, you had to take two off the books. Right. Right. It's just a, and so, you know, some of the work that CEA did early on in the administration talked about the increase in growth merely from not continuing the regulatory onslaught of the Obama administration. So, mm-hmm. so not even taking away regulations, but if we just stop adding regulations, right, that's, 0.2% a year of GDP. And whereas the, under the Biden administration, there's this seemingly this view that the regulators were, you know, kind of muffled for four years. And so they've, with a vengeance, brought back, brought out all of these regs that they just had been wanting to do and didn't. And it's just regulatory over, overdrive. What, um, what's this uh, mansion Schumer Act going to do to the economy? Well, according to the estimates that came out from CBO, it looks like over the first five years, it it adds to deficits. So that it's always striking to see you know them making claims about deficit reduction when it actually adds to deficits over the first five years. And of course, what that means is that if you've got extra fiscal spending going into an economy while simultaneously curtailing demand, or sorry, curtailing supply because you've got promises of of tax increases, you know, all of the economics classes I've ever taught says that if we we subsidize demand and we bring supply off the market, we're just going to exacerbate the price increases, and yet they call it the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. So it seems like it's just going to exacerbate some of the shortages and price increases that we've been observing. And simultaneously, it takes us from reliable, low-cost sources of energy and moves us towards unreliable, high-cost sources of energy, which just increases the cost structure across the board, makes us less internationally competitive. And when you see the energy activity of other countries, it doesn't seem like we're on that going to actually alter the environment. So let's have no environmental impact, raise costs, make us less wealthy, and think that that's going to improve the outcomes for the American people. Yeah. We're penalizing our 
energy resources that we have here, and we're subsidizing energy resources that we, that are abroad. Or, or put it another way, we're killing the U.S., but we're helping China. I mean, China's the key to electric vehicles. China's the key to uh, solar. China's the key to renewables. We don't have it, and we're helping them, not us. Right, and then supposedly the big get that Senator Manchin got for his vote was that we were going to do some permitting changes so that we could increase mining uh, of some of these materials domestically and that we could maybe review some of the NEPA process. And, you know, all of those tea leaves coming out of Congress are that that's going to go nowhere. So if you got a promise on a vote, certainly not a promise that anything's going to happen. You know, if we could create those resources domestically by opening up mining, opening up drilling, uh, that would be one thing. But as you said, if instead what we're doing is just making ourselves even more reliant on China, then that seems to put us in a more precarious position from a national security standpoint. Yeah, One would yeah. have thought that seeing what happened to Central Europe by becoming more dependent on Russia, that we would learn from that and not become more reliant on China. And yet that seems to be what this bill is doing. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. Michael Palkinder, I'm going to let you go back and teach school. You're awful nice to give us time here on a Saturday morning. We appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much.